Thank you for tuning in to the Springs Church Podcast. Here, you'll find messages that are powerful, inspiring, but most importantly, straight from the Word of God. If you're located near Tacoa, Georgia, or in Tacoa, Georgia, we'd love to see you on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. Enjoy today's message, and remember, we love you, Tacoa. If you have your Bible this morning, turn it from turn it to Acts 10, verse 2. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We've been talking about the series about the Holy Spirit today. I want to hit those people in the home, how you invite an atmosphere in your home to experience the presence of God. Because for revival to start, it has to start in the home. For revival to start, it has to start in your prayer closet. You know, so sometimes we wait for God to bring the revival at the church, but there has to be work that's been done at home too. Right. Amen? Right. And we have to get our heart ready for what God wants to do and not miss. Um, the guys, they were already read. Let's read the rest of the, the, the chapter. Let's go to verse 23. <laughs> oh, it's a long passage. I think that's where we stop at, right? Verse 23. Verse 24. Right? 24, 23. Okay, let's read it. He said, in the following day, they entered Caesarea. Um, now Cornelius, Cornelius was waiting for them and, and was waiting for them and had called together his relatives. He called his family. He, calls it, he called his cousin, his nephew. He called his family so they, so they can hear and close friends. Because you can't not hide the gospel. If you really love, if you really believe this thing, you can't hide it. You have to let people know. This thing's not about us, it's about other people. And he had called together his relative and close friend as Peter was coming and Cornelius and Cornelius, and Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshiped him. But Peter lifted him up and said, stand up man, myself, uh, I'm also a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found Peter was amazed when he came to the house and found many people waiting there for him who had come. Then he said to them, you know how unlawful, unlawful it is for Jewish men to keep company with, with or go to, to another nation? But God has shown me that I should not call any man common and unclean. Therefore, I came without objection. As soon as I sent out, as I was sent, as I was sent for, I asked them, for what reason have you sent for me? So Cornelius, four days ago, Cornelius said, four days ago, I was fasting. Watch this. <laughs> I was fasting. For, for, fasting is real. Until this hour and at the nine hour, I'll pray in, in my house. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard. And your arms are remembered in the sight of God. Sent therefore to Joppa and called Simon here, whose surname is Peter. Will Smith knows your address, by the way. He knows where you live. You didn't know that. He got your zip code. He's lodging in the house. You remember those days, man? There were no GPS, but Will Smith know exactly where he was. Give him clear detail, clear direction. Man, I'm so thankful for the Holy Spirit. Because that story here. 
is something happening in my life, in my parents' life. I'll show you guys that story later. He's lodging in the house of, of Simon, a tanner by the sea. When he comes, he'll speak to you. So I sent to you immediately, and you have done well to come. Now, therefore, we're all present before God. Look, look, look see, see the attitude. Watch this, the, the, the mindset. Now we're ready to hear what you have to say. We're present, not absent. We're present. We have opened ourselves to hear what you have to say to us. To hear all the things commanded you by God. There's no other verses out it. Keep going, guys. Then, then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality, but in every nation where it fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace to Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word you know which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began and begin from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. How God anointed Jesus, he's telling what happened. He's telling the story. Pay attention, pay attention. They opened themselves to hearing the gospel. Peter's telling the truth. He's telling about Jesus. And how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit, with power. Who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil? <laughs> For God was with him and we are witnesses of all things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on a tree. And God raised him up, raised him, raised him up on the third day and showed him openly, not to all people, but to witnesses chosen before God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. The next one. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is, it is he who was ordained by God to be the judge of all the living things and dead. To him, all the prophets, witnesses that through his name, whoever believes in him, will receive remission of sin. While Peter was speaking, while Peter, the people were listening to the gospel, we remember that text, I showed you they were present. He said, we were present. We, we were there, we were waiting for, to hear what you have to say. And while Peter was speaking, these words, somebody else came to the room. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word and, and those of the circumcision who believed. They were astonished. As many as came with Peter because of the gift of those spirit have been poured out on the Gentile also. Let's bow ahead and pray. Father God, thank you so much. Hallelujah. Lord, we say thank you for your grace. Hallelujah. Let's, let's take five seconds. Those spirit is here right now, Jesus. Come on, raise your hand right now. Little volume, please. Let me volume, please. Raise your hand right now. Ask him, ask him, ask him. Is you right now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh! He's here, he's here, he's here. He's here. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Whatever you need right now, whatever you need right now, he's here. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your presence. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, church, raise your hand right now. Do you want more of him? I want more of him. 
Oh, we want more of you, Jesus. We want more of you. Hallelujah. He's in this room. He's in this room right now. He's in this room right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit fell upon us today just like you did. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we're hungry for you this morning. We are desperate for you. Our families are desperate for you. Our homes are desperate for you. Our marriage are desperate for you. Holy Spirit, you need to come. Come in our home, in our family, in our houses, in our homes. Fill this place. Fill this place. Fill this place right now in Jesus' name. Heal them, oh God. Heal their heart. Heal their broken heart, Lord. Break the depression. Break those things right now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I have to preach. I have to preach. I have to, if I don't, I can't. <laughs> um, thank you, Father. First thing this morning, oh, hallelujah. First thing this morning we saw, the Bible says, go put the, whole, put the first three, four, first four verses. It says, it says that, that Cornelius was a generous man. He helped people. He gave food to the poor. And the Bible said, the angel that showed up told Cornelius, he said, because you gave, because you pray, God saw your prayers and your giving. They were like, they were like a monument. I don't know if you ever see a monument before. I don't know if you ever experienced a monument before. But a monument is a huge thing. You can't miss it. I know if you've been to Washington, D.C., you've probably seen this thing. That's a monument right there. A monument is something you cannot miss. You see it. A monument is huge. A monument is something you cannot miss. A monument is something that, 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 that brings remembrance. It brings what happened during that time. Every time you see a monument, it sends a message to you. And that's how the Bible described the prayer. Thank you, guys. And that's how, that's how the Bible described the prayer of Cornelius. Think about this. God said, your prayers and your giving were a monument in front of me. Every time I turn around, Cornelius, every time I'm walking in, in my palace, Cornelius, every time I'm looking at the, the creation of what I have done, Cornelius, every time I look around in heaven, every time I turn around, I see a monument, Cornelius. I see the monument of prayer, Cornelius. I see the giving that you've been doing, Cornelius. I can, I can dismiss what you have done, Cornelius. God is saying every time I stand upon the throne, every time I look around, I see prayers so big, so tall that I cannot miss it. I see the giving, the way you love people, Cornelius. I cannot escape what you have done. I'm asking you this morning how big your prayers are in heaven this morning. Because prayer, it, you know, to build a monument, it takes blocks, blocks, blocks by blocks. You keep putting it up because they didn't build it one time. They didn't just build it at one moment. They had to build it little by little. Little by little. Are you getting this this morning? I feel the Holy Spirit here this morning. I may not be able to preach this sermon this morning. Black by black. Black by black. Black by black. That's how you build a monument. And when you pray, when you pray, I feel something here this morning. When you pray, that's what prayer does. Black by black. Prayer. Prayer is a black. It's a monument before God. Every time you pray for your kid, they may be running away. They may be doing drugs. They may be doing something else. But every time you pray, you're putting your black in heaven this morning. I'm here this morning because my parent put black, black, black for James. Devil, you will not have him. Devil, you will not kill him. That's what my parent did. And I'm here today because of the prayers. Somebody say amen. amen. 
Disclaimer, I scream. Disclaimer, we loud here. Prayers are monuments. And I'm asking you this morning, what monuments are you building for your family? What monuments are you building? Some of you have only one block in heaven. And the reason is because you stop praying. If you want God to move in your home, if you want God to remember you in heaven, if you want God, if you want something from God, prayer has to be consistency. To build a monument, it hit the consistency. It takes something they have to keep doing over and over. Amen. Not only that, the Bible says he was generous. You know, I tried to skip this. This one, I said, oh, I'm going to talk about money. A lot of people think generous means money. I don't want to talk about it. I literally take it out. But I have to pursue a gospel. This is not about money. Generosity. It could be time. It could be money. But the Bible said he was a God-fearing man. He gave a lot. He helped the poor. He helped the needy. The whole house, their focus was not on themselves. They were sensitive to the thing that were sensitive to God. The needy are sensitive to God. We live in a culture because of the way we grew up. Because the way the culture is in America, you, you do your own. We don't care. This is your thing. This country has a lot of opportunities. If, you, you know, you do your thing. And sometimes that, that impact of view of Christianity, the view of faith. I understand, yeah, there's plenty of job, but sometimes people are in a position not because they choose that. It's because they're in that situation. And our job is not to judge and say, hey, why don't you go get a job? God never asks us to do that. He asks us to help. It doesn't matter if I give them 10 bucks, 5 bucks, they go smoke weed, they buy alcohol with it. That's not my job. My job is to give. Are you getting this this morning? And the, the danger is, and the culture we're living right now, because the way we grew up, say, you don't eat, you don't, you know, we don't care about you if you don't have it. But God said, when you give to somebody in need, when you spend time and give something back, it gets God's attention. And as a home for home to experience the presence of God, we have to create that mindset, hey, it's not all about us. You know, some of you got so much junk, you still have clothes since you were in high school, you can't even fit in it, you still have it in your closet, give it away. Oh, did I say that? You can't fit in that jacket anymore, give it away. That letterman jacket doesn't fit you. <laughs> but God said, you know, the, one of the fastest growing business in America is storage. Did you know that? Because people don't want to give anything away. They want to keep their, their trash. They want to keep things. They don't want to give it away. So, because we want, everything's mine. But I believe if you want to experience God in your house, there has to be that spirit of generosity. You give. You give. Especially the needy, people who can't help themselves. You help them because that gets God's attention. There's five promises, five promises in the Bible. Quickly, quickly, let's put the five, five blessings you get when you give. This is put, put Psalms. I put Psalms. Did I put the Psalms there? There's a song. This is what, this is what David says. There's five things when you give happen. He said, bless easy that consider the poor, somebody who's in need. The, the Lord, watch this, will deliver them. That's the, first, that's the first thing in time of trouble. The second thing, the Lord will preserve him. Second thing, and keep him alive, and he shall be blessed upon the earth. 
and I will not deliver him unto the will of his enemies. The Lord will strengthen him upon the bed of languishing, that will make all his bed in his sickness. Put the, put the, put the fire blessing. There's fire blessing when you give. I'm going to go quick to this. One first blessing is delivered. God said he promised you deliverance when you give. He'll keep you alive. Some stuff that, that, this is God's word. This is not me making stuff up. But there's, there's promises when you give. Third thing is preserve. Fourth thing is bless. Fifth thing is strengthen. When you give, things going to happen in your life. Somebody say amen. amen. Let, me, let me go to my second point before you guys kill me here. <laughs> second point. And the Bible said he prayed regularly. Ooh, that's what, that's what we're going to stop here. We're going to stop here. Oh, oh, watch this. Oh, I forgot. thank you for putting this verse because that's so important. This is what he says. Watch this. Watch this. And I believe Cornelius knew something. Whoever shut their ears to the crowd of poor. Will, I will also, and then I will not be heard. I put the one verse, but he said, whoever cries out to, to the, whoever shut their ears to the poor, God said, I will shut my ears. He said, when you're in need, he said, when somebody's in need, you just shut your ears, you see the need, and you just say, okay. That's a promise, and that's the word of God. He said, when you cry out, if you don't help, and I think that's what Cornelius Find out, he said, I want God to hear. I'm building that monument. I want my monument to shout to God. So I'm going to help. Let's go to the second point. Any prayer regularly. Prayer is an act of faith. If you believe, you're going to pray. The reason that he pray, put the next point. The reason, he, the reason, the reason, the reason that, that he pray, because he believes. Prayer is an act of faith. The reason that he prayed, the reason that he, because he believed he prayed, because if you believe, you're going to pray. Somebody say amen. amen. If you don't believe, you're not going to pray. You're not going to pray. Prayer is an expression of faith. When you pray, is, 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 is you telling yourself that I cannot fix that problem, God can fix it. Is is when you pray is when you pray you telling your problem that this thing I don't have no intelligence or the amount of of resources to fix it and when I pray I believe God can fix that thing. Are you getting this this morning? Prayer is an expression of faith. He said, but without faith it is impossible to please Him. For if you, come, if, you, if you come to God, you must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Basically, what he's trying to tell us here, as you can see, you cannot please God without faith. And faith and, and prayer is a type of faith. Prayer is faith. So basically, if you're not praying, that's when God's not pleased with you. Let me say that again. Because remember, prayer is an expression of faith. And the Bible says you need faith to please God. So if you don't pray, God is not pleased with you. I know it's, it's hard to hear, but if you're not praying, if you're not developing that lifestyle in your house, in your home, not only here at this church, but you really have a prayer life, uh, 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 and you're not developing that prayer life with your family, with your kids, with your family, you're not, you don't have that quiet time with God. 
God is saying, I'm not pleasing with you. Because since prayer, since prayer and faith connects together, you please God by praying because when you pray, you show God that you believe in him. Somebody say amen. amen. And because he prayed, the Bible said because he prayed, because this guy was praying, he was praying. He was praying. This guy was praying. He had a prayer lifestyle. He was praying. And because he was praying, the Bible says that day if you read in the passage, the whole family got saved. Because he prayed, his whole family got saved. The biggest mistake we think, and and here's the thing, we think things are going to happen by coincidence. We think our family is going to get saved by coincidence. You think that child is going to get saved by coincidence. You think that that things are going to, they're just going to walk to church and, and, and one day they give their life without you praying for them. But the Bible says because Cornelius prayed, because he prayed up and spent time in prayer, his old family heard the gospel and they gave their life to Jesus. Another word for, another word for, for, for salvation is deliverance. And some of us, we have family who are, who are bound by the enemy. Because today, if I could open your eyes spiritually, if I could open your eyes spiritually, you could see a lot of us are in chain. Our family members are in chain. The enemy wrapped them in chain. It's pulling them to go to hell. It's pulling them to destroy. Some of them may be bound by alcohol, by drugs, by addiction, by something in their life. The enemy is pulling them to destroy their life day by day. Your kids, your family, your spouse. The enemy grabbed them. If you have spiritual eyes, you could see the enemy wrap themselves, wrap, wrap a chain to bring them to destruction. They are the enemy, they are the enemy prisoner. One of the words for salvation is deliverance, if you look at that word. But because, because Cornelius prayed, not only he got saved, but his family got delivered too because those people, they were, you remember they were Romans. They serve a lot of God. They serve Zeus. They serve a lot of demons. But because Cornelius prayed, his family was delivered. Somebody say amen this morning. And that's the, that's, that's, the, that's the power of prayer. Because when we pray, people get set free. The first, first John verse 5, verse 9, said, the world is belong to the devil and the enemy is ruling it. Whether you like it or not, the world is controlled by the enemy. The world's controlled by Satan. Whether you like it or not, the Bible says he's a prince of the air. God's over everything, but he's, Satan's control a lot of things. And, 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 and for you to set your family free, that kid that was running away from God, that family who's bound by alcohol, by drugs, by whatever it is, and you see them, he wants to destroy their life. If you're not praying for them, there'll be no deliverance. You have to pray for your family. You have to pray for your family because that's the only way they can be set free. Somebody say Amen. He said, prayer, uh, prayer, prayer, he prayed because prayer availed much. Prayer works. Prayer is powerful. If Cornelius did not pray, do you think his family could have been saved? Yes or no? If he didn't have a prayer life, do you think an angel would show up? If he did not pray, do you think he would have a vision? The Bible says, put that verse again. He said, while he was praying, and that was not part of my sermon, but he said, while he was praying, he saw a vision. Some of you need vision in your life because you don't know where you're going. You lost. Right. 
And the reason you lost, you don't know what, to, what step you need to take because you're not praying. Because once you pray, you will have a vision of God. God will give you a vision for your life. He'll give you a vision for your destiny. I'm here today because I was praying. I was in a 40 days fast. In 2019, when COVID hit, I was in a 40 days fast. And I was praying. I didn't know anything about Tokoa. I was in a 40 days fast. And in the moment I was praying, I sat on my desk. I saw the word Tokoa. I said, Tokoa? What? What's going on in Tokoa? I saw that old Tokoa so big on top of my, on top of my desk. I said, Tokoa, what's, what's in Tokoa, Lord? And I walked downstairs. My wife was praying too. And I walked downstairs. I said, I didn't tell anything. I walked in. She said, be ready. God's ready to move you out of the church where you're working at. I said, what? I said, stop with this nonsense. Well, he was in a prayer. He got direction. He had vision. And I'm asking today, if you feel like you lost, you don't know what to do with your life, you lost, you don't, life, don't say, life is meaningless, nothing's making sense. The question I have for you this morning, are you praying? Are you praying? Because when you pray, you will have a vision. When you pray, angel will show up. Somebody say amen. When you pray, the supernatural will take place. Somebody say amen. Somebody say amen. Oh, Lord, we need a fresh vision of, the, of you today. Prayer works. I put this, tech, I put this thing. He says, uh, William Temple said, when I pray, coincidence happen. When, when I don't, they don't. <laughs> the more you pray, the more coincidences happen. And if you want God to move in your home, in your house, you want God to do things in your life. Prayer has to become a foundation in your life. Somebody say amen. amen. Pray because prayer works. Prayer works. James 5, 16, this is what he says. He says, confess. Watch this verse. He says, confess your fault to one another and pray one for another that you may be healed. Watch this verse. He says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avail much. I tried to put the definition of of this thing, what it mean? Of very much, this is what it means. Let's put the description. It's mean the prayer of a righteousness of very much. This is what Webster said. To succeed, when you pray, you will succeed. When you pray, things that used to push you back, you will prevail. Somebody say amen with me this morning. I feel like praying right now. You will overcome. If sin is beating you down, but when you stop praying, you can overcome whatever the circumstances is. Somebody say amen. He said to be able to do something to be strong against an opposing force. Oh my God. Let me tell you, there's an opposing force out there that's trying to keep you away. There's an opposing force against our kids, society against our kids. Every time they try to do right, something is pushing them down. Something is pushing them, something pushing them back. Let me tell you, but there's a force greater than the force of the enemy, and that force is prayer. Somebody say amen. Somebody say amen. Whatever you're going through this morning, there's a force stronger, stronger than the force of the enemy. If it's sickness, there's a force bigger than that. Somebody say amen. Whatever you're going through this morning, there's a force stronger than that. Somebody say amen. amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody say hallelujah. Amen. To be helpful. To make an impact. You can't, if you want to make an impact, you have to pray. Somebody say amen. I'm about to go crazy this morning. If you want to make an impact, if you want to make an impact in somebody's life, because let me tell you, parents who have kids, Sometimes you can tell them, so many times don't do it. They don't hear you. Amen. 
And sometimes, the teenagers, when you are telling 56, 365 times, don't do this. And that's kids. But what about that grown-ups, that child that you raised right? And they're doing something, you know, that's going to destroy them. And you tell them as a parent, hey, if you do this, this path can only lead to destruction. If you're involved in drugs, if you're sleeping around, if you're taking that dope, if you're taking that drug, you may end up in a wee place. You may end up doing something they were never wanted to do. And you say it, they don't listen to you. You said it, it's like the words falling down to the ground. You said they don't listen. And that's where prayer comes from. That's where prayer comes from. Because there's a force behind it when you said, if you're praying for them, they'll hear. Or if you're going to come in the flesh, you're telling them. They're not going to hear it. Because remember, there's a force that's trying to pull them away. But as a Christian, to make an impact, you need that. To make an impression, to be effective, to accomplish much. There's a different translation I put there, JB, um, JB, JB Phillips translation. He says, What's it? He said, Tremendous power is made available. Oh my God. Tremendous power. I love the way he said. An explosive power is made available when we pray. Put the next one. He said, The press of, of, of a righteous makes tremendous power available, dynamic, and it's working. I think I have another one. Do I have another one? Or is that it? That's, and that's what prayer does. When we pray, we pray and God will answer us as a family. If you pray, you got to pray for your kids. If you want those people to move in your house, you have to pray. You can't rely only on Sunday to pray for them. It has to be a consistent thing that you're praying. Say, God, he's so and so, little Johnny before you, God, touch, touch his life. Touch his life, put the right people in his life so you can hear, so you don't take that steps. God, take away their bad friends because some of them, they have nasty friends and God has to cut their friends away. You got, sometimes, sometimes, okay, let's, 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 let's go with it all right now. <laughs> in a good way. Sometimes you have to pray nasty prayers. God, move them out of town. <laughs> okay. Let them lose their job. If they have to, move them. Yes. That's right. You guys never see it. That's the type of prayer my, prayer, my, prayer, my dad did. He's like, Dad, that's ruthless. <laughs> Let them lose their job, Lord. Because sometimes you have people coming to your kid, they have one mission it's to destroy. It's to destroy your marriage. Because sometimes, People come, they have one purpose. It's to destroy your marriage. Well, at this point, we're going to pray. They let them leave their town, cut their job, whatever they have to do, because our marriage is going to succeed. Somebody say amen. amen. This is ruthless prayer right now. Somebody say amen. amen. Sometimes you have to put the gloves and fight for your family. Somebody say amen. amen. Last point. Last point. No, no, I have another point. Okay. He said, break off religion. Book of religion. The Bible says that Peter was a Jewish. Remember that. 
Peter, Peter was Jewish. He doesn't deal with, with, with Gentiles, people like us. You know, they have different diet. He had a really lean diet. Probably he was fit, maybe, I don't know. He had a crazy diet. They don't eat, they don't eat. Peter didn't eat shrimp or pork. God bless him. I love my pork. Somebody say amen. I can't eat shrimp. I'm allergic to shrimp, but, but Peter can't eat crabs. He can't eat pork. He can't, he can't eat nothing like that. But he was very religious. And the Bible said God showed him a vision. He says, Peter, eat this thing. And Peter, because he was religious, he said, no, I can't eat that, Lord. I can't do this. I can't have that kind of, that kind of meal. And God said, eat because I tell you to eat it. Because if Peter did not go to the house, they would not experience the presence. The biggest enemy of revival is religion. Amen. Religion tells you, don't worry about the inside. Only worry about the outside. Religion said, I have enough God. I've been doing church all my life. What are you talking about? Pray more. I have enough God that I need. Religion said, I'm satisfied. The biggest enemy of the revival, what God wants to do, want to, you want to go to the next level, is being religious. The Pharisees, you will never see them in the Bible ever experience the presence of God. You know why? Because they were so caught up with the Lord. They had, they had I, forgot, I, forgot, I forgot, I didn't put them. They have 163 laws. 163 laws they had to follow. It was only law on the outside, how to wash hands, how to do things you don't eat on Saturdays. They were so into the law, so much Pharisees, but you will never see them experience a miracle or something from God because they were so religious. The second, the second group of people who doesn't experience God is, is people who put their trust in riches. What do I, there's nothing wrong having money. Please have money. Yes, money is a great thing. We need money. But money is a tool in your hand. Amen. The moment it becomes your God, that's what the problem is. The moment you think money can solve every problem in your life, that's what the problem is. The moment you think money can, can fill your heart, that's the problem. The third group who, doesn't, who has a hard time receiving from God is the scribes and the doc, doctors, the doctors of the law. It's the smart people, the smart aleck. They think they know everything. I read something last week that said the more education you have and the more you fell into that bracket, there's a certain amount of money so you make once you get in that bracket. They say those people, those type of group of people, they're the hardest to reach when you're preaching the gospel to them. There's nothing about money because they say we have everything already. We're so smart. They think there's a logical answer to every supernatural problem. They think everything is, has an answer to that. They don't believe in the supernatural. They say, that oh, there's an answer. Because they're so smart. Those type of people will never experience the presence of God if God doesn't do something in their heart. Somebody say amen. Religion is the biggest enemy of, of revival. Father, you can come. I'm going to finish there. I'm going to close down. The Bible says, while Peter was speaking, 
while Peter was speaking. Remember, put the whole passage back for me. Go back all the way back to the to big passage. He says, he says, there's a, when he said, we, we heard God said to send you, and we're here to hear what you have to say. It's a posture. If you're going to experience the presence of God, there's a posture you have to have. The Bible said while he was speaking, they got filled with the Spirit. And I was just trying to think about it. Say, God, what was so different about, what was so different with those people and us today? How did they receive it so fast in us? And I was reading a couple of things. I'm trying to read a couple of commentaries. I saw a couple of things they put there, and I, I was just thinking about that. And, and one of the commentators said, he said, remember in those days, books were not available like it is today. They didn't have an iPod. They didn't just have a book, go to the store and buy a book. It was only few people who has book. Even Paul, when he's talking to the church, he said, read the letters out loud. He said, tell, tell, tell the church when you get the letter, read it out loud because they didn't have the Bible. They didn't have it. All they had probably a couple sheets of paper and, and the pastor had to read it so they can listen to it. There were no mass printing before they print the Gardenberg Press, right? They, were, they didn't have the sky stuff. So when, when somebody's preaching or reading something, the attention to hear what they were saying, they didn't want to miss anything. They were really, really trying to listen and understand what Peter was saying. Because they could not pull the iPhone. Like today, you can just go home and pull this thing. And because they know, man, that's how we think. Are you getting this this morning? It's the, it's the attitude that this thing is precious. It's the attitude that, man, I don't know, because by the evening, I'm going to get killed. And you get to read something from God himself. I get to hear his word. I get to hear that Jesus died and rose. Peter, are you serious? The story you're saying? Because I cannot go home and read it. Let me, did he say that? He's telling that he multiplied the bread. He's talking about God from heaven who loves us that much. Did he become one of us? Can you imagine the quietness and the awe? Oh, you getting this this morning? The, pre- the way they value what was teaching to them because they don't have it at home. It wasn't something that was popular. It wasn't something that is on the, on the shelf that you just go and pull a Bible and read it. It wasn't even mass publishing yet. It was the story he was saying. But I believe the attitude that they had, they were just in awe saying, I can't afford to miss this thing. If this thing is real, I want it. If this thing is real, I want it. If the word of God is true, I want it. Whatever the promise is, he says, he said, I will receive the Holy Spirit if I believe. 
I'm not going to argue. I don't have time for this. I don't have time to go back and look at my notes or open my own Bible at home because that's all I get to hear. I'm going to do my best with my brain to try to remember everything that he said. And when I get home, I get to share with my kids. Especially with those group of people, a lot of them couldn't even write. Because if you're in that part of that class, a higher class, a scribe, you're a peasant, you don't even know how to write. It's not like they couldn't take notes. To even be able to write in those days, it was a privilege. But the attitude when they hear the word of God, they say, God, I don't have time to question your word. Whatever he says, by the time I leave out here, I know I'm going to face hell. All the demons in hell are going to try to attack me. I need everything that you have for me. I want it for myself. If those people is there to help me to live this life, I want it now. I don't want to wait tomorrow. I don't want to question your word. I want everything that you have for me. And that's the type of heart we need to have. That this thing is precious. The word of God is precious. It's the most valuable thing on this planet. Somebody say amen. amen. The Bible says everything will pass away. Everything. Everything. Your house, your car, everything will pass away. But my word will not pass away. Amen. And when we get that attitude, and that's when the revival will come. God said, God, I want everything that you said. Because I realize how precious your word is. Let's get up upon our feet this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, raise your hand right now. Raise your hand right now, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Raise your hand right now. Let's pray right now. Let's take... Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Raise your hand right now. Let's worship him right now. Worship him right now. Worship him right now in Jesus' name. Worship him right now. Oh, Lord, we love you, Jesus. Lord, we want the Holy Spirit in our lives, in our home, because for us to experience your presence, oh God. Yes, come on, church, raise your hand right now. Raise your hand right now. Ask him, ask him, ask him, ask him. If you believe this one, he can touch you. You have not been filled with the Holy Spirit. He can fill you this morning. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, church, raise your hand right now. Worship him right now. Worship him right now in Jesus' name. Lord, we love you, Lord. Holy Spirit, I'm asking you right now. Fall upon them. Fill them with your presence, oh God. In their home, in their family, in the house, every family members, the kids, our homes. Right now. Right now. In Jesus' name. And she, come on, church. Pray right now. Pray right now. Take five seconds. Come on, pray. Which all say, God, I want those people in my house, in my home. On my family. Oh God, don't let's take this word lightly. Don't let's take this word lightly. Lord, I'm not going to take your word lightly. I'm not going to take your word lightly. I'm not going to take your word lightly. Right now, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.